How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Third Decade Podcast. My name is Scott Bennett, and today we're doing something a little different. We're joined by uh, editor extraordinaire and the whole reason we have this podcast, Nikki Wolf, who is going to join me as a co-host of sorts. We usually have done interview style type of episodes. This one we thought would be better if we just both kind of shared our personal experiences. So, Nikki, thank you for, for agreeing to do this with me and helping me talk through this subject. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. So we have touched on housing as a whole. We've touched on it briefly, but but really haven't done a deep dive. And it's one thing that we've actually gotten a few requests on. And it's another thing that is really important right now. I think there's a lot of pressure and noise out there regarding the real estate market. Um, it is a really exciting time for some in the real estate market. And, and we uh, have seen that a lot. But as Nikki and I talked through it, it became apparent that our own personal experiences and what we've seen could shed some light. So really, really excited to talk through it and share kind of our, our own experience. So today I figured it would be a good place to start just to talk about some indicators that you're financially ready to buy a home. So buying a home is obviously, it can be a very emotional decision. Um, So it's best if not done under pressure. And if it's helpful for you with the unbiased input of somebody whose decision-making you trust. So Scott and I came up with a list of some things that you might want to have in order before making a purchase, uh, especially one quite as big as a home. Uh, So the first one I would say is to make sure that you're currently investing already the amount that you want to be. A good place to start, we think, would be 10%. I know it's very easy to look at what you can afford in the house and, and potentially stretch your budget. But if you are basing your budget around what you can afford and you're not taking your savings into account... A lot of people think in a few years, it will be easier to start investing down the road when they make more money. And A, that's not a guarantee. And B, houses and house repairs end up becoming tempting over the years. So it's really good to kind of have those foundational pieces set and part of the plan right off the bat. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. Because when we talk about investing, we're talking investing for the long term. And that 10% rule is kind of a, a rule of thumb that says, at least 10% of your income should go towards future future investments, your retirement accounts, things like that. So having that set aside before you even say, okay, now I'm ready to purchase, because we've seen it over and over again. And it's something that we talk about in the third decade program is that power of time, that power of compounding. And actually purchasing too much home too soon, we've seen can derail plans uh, more so than than a lot of other things, actually, that people kind of, as Nikki touched on, have that we're going to go and uh, and, and buy a house now or, or invest in real estate now instead of really investing long term for retirement uh, and say, I'm going to put that on pause for now. The next thing is knowing how much you have left over at the end of every month. So really diving into that number, doing a detailed budget and knowing that when you do that, it's for right now. That means that that budget you're looking at is, is your budget right now. And that budget is obviously going to change when you purchase a home. Expenses pop up, things like that. And especially in those first couple months, 
you're you're going to be spending more than you you probably ever have. So knowing what that base number is right now, but not allowing yourself to say this is going to be the same number for for the future when I buy a home. Definitely. Another good thing to consider would be how long you plan on living in the city that you're buying in. Uh, the time frame that I've heard over and over again has been at least five years for it to be worth it uh, in terms of paying closing costs, paying the interest on the front end of your loan. You really don't want to be purchasing somewhere that that you might be moving out of in two years. Yeah. And, and it is for people our age, I think in jobs and stuff moving around, knowing that you're settled somewhere is a really good indicator to start thinking about buying a house. I think that that's kind of a, a good first step. We maybe shouldn't even had it earlier, but it's, it's somewhere that we say, okay, uh, I'm settled. I know, I know I'm going to be here for, for the foreseeable future. Maybe now start digging in. Your emergency fund is something that should be funded and, and good because as we're going to touch on a little bit, things happen when you own a home. That was one of the biggest uh, eye openers for me. I think, I think I was a little bit naive to it admittedly, but um, you do run into some things that as a, as a renter for the, the lifetime before I bought a house, I was not expecting to have all of these things kind of pop up and all of these things to pay. Um, so know that, that the emergency fund, even if you have that three or six months in emergency fund right now, that's going to change much like your, your budget, much like your expenses that's for right now. And, and having a little bit of a cushion even on that is huge. Definitely. Lastly, what would you have for a down payment? If you have under 20%, it's more than likely that you're going to have to hold mortgage insurance until you've paid off 20% of your loan. So I can speak personally to some pros and cons of first-time home buyers programs. I used a program a couple of years ago when my husband and I bought our house and I don't regret it, but there are some things I, I wish I could have known on the front end of it just so that I could have had a clear picture. A couple of things to know right off the bat is that you do have to carry mortgage insurance. You have to hold that either until you've paid off 20% of your loan or until you've been in the house for five years. Another thing that we didn't know would be the case is with these first-time homebuyers programs, they're typically putting money down on your house on your behalf with the agreement that you're staying in that house for five years. So in our case, for instance, let's say we had lived there for three years and then we decided we wanted to move and sell the house. We are actually going to owe them back all of the money that they gifted towards us for that first-time homebuyers program. And at the end of the day, we would not have financially benefited from it at all. So we really had to have a, a long discussion about whether or not we were absolutely positive that five years was an amount of time that we could commit to living in Tucson. Yeah, I think I think your perspective is so unique because there are so many positive things that come with first time home buyers programs, right? Like like the the fact that they exist is a is an all around good thing and, and it helps people get into homes. It helped us buy in a time that that we potentially would have scraped the bottom of our savings a little bit more if, if we hadn't. Right. Um, or if we had waited. But um, something that kind of caught us by surprise in this case was, I don't know exactly why this is, but their interest rate on the mortgage was about one and a half percent higher for mm. us. 
um, just because of the first time home buyers program. It was not a number that we got to know right at the front end. It actually increased in the time that we had seen the house, uh, begun our process of working with a broker and finalizing everything. Hmm. Um, That's really interesting. So yeah, it's just good to know kind of a couple of the little things to look out for. They are great programs for people who need them. Uh, they help get home buyers into neighborhoods that might need more stability um, and kind of help the economy in that way. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think a big point to make here is you're just talking to your experience too. You went yeah. through one of the many first-time home buyer programs. And, and one thing I found in working with uh, young people who are going through this is they all look a little bit different. So much like everything we're talking about in this podcast, in this episode, is really know what you're signing up for. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, and that's one thing that I know as you know, a first-time home buyer, I kind of wish I would have asked a little bit more. I'm I'm really happy with where we ended up and how it worked out, and I think ours was was relatively straightforward. But in terms of the whole process, I, I still am not great. So we're not going to get much into the details of mortgages, buying back points, refinancing, things like that, because quite frankly, neither of us are experts on that. We hope to have somebody on soon who'll be able to touch on that more. Another thing that we realized as we were kind of talking through this um, is, is not only our experiences, but what we've seen with our friends and talking to people. And one of those is the excitement of the market and what the market's doing. We talk about it over and over again in our classes in terms of the investment market, stocks, right? S&P 500, the volatility. The real estate market is a little bit the same, that there's maybe even at times more noise around the real estate market. And there can be extreme pressure to buy at a certain time. It is, we, we talk about it blocking out the noise when it comes to your long-term investments, we just talked about over five years that you should be in a house. A house is one of the longest term things you're ever going to buy. And so blocking out that noise as well. I, I was talking to a friend recently about purchasing a house and, and he said, yeah, you know, I could buy this house right now. And, and the projection is the market's going to go up 10% over the next two years. So I could turn around and make a, a 20% profit on it on this house. Yeah. I think anytime somebody is buying the house with the intention to sell it for a profit is when that can get really scary because we can all theorize about what's going to happen to the market and, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, but really we don't know for sure. And that's a lot of money to wrap up in something with that much uncertainty. Exactly. And, and wrapping up the money is, is one way to, because it's, it's not liquid, right? It's, it's in a house. And a lot of the times it's most of it's in a, in a loan. Even the other thing is too, that I, I, I responded to him is, is he was talking about this house as his primary residence. We're not really talking about real estate investing here. That's a different thing. There are people who are very successful at that. We are not experts in that either. We're talking about kind of that first home purchase for your primary residence. But in that case, my point to him was, Okay, in two years, you sell that house, you, you have your closing costs, uh, that, that upfront interest that you had, taxes and things like that, that you had to pay. But then are you telling me that just the neighborhood or the area that you bought that house in is going up 20%? Or is it everywhere around you? Yeah. Because that's the issue. 
if if it's just that neighborhood and you guessed right at the right neighborhood that's going up 20% and then you're moving out of that neighborhood, okay, you you have a you have an argument there. But if it's your neighborhood plus your whole city that you're planning to move to is all going up 20%, that means the house, the next house you're buying is elevated as well. So it's really, really easy to get caught up in that kind of short-term investment. I can make a 20% return on this house without diving into it. And, and it is when we talk about real estate in this program, we say it's an asset, not an investment for your primary residence. Um, people have, it has worked out. There have been people who could say, yeah, I made all this money and then I went and bought at a different location, et cetera, et cetera. That's true. Same thing is true for, for individual stocks. It doesn't mean that we we would want you to put all of your eggs into that basket and, and roll the dice in that sense. Right. So I'll start this off saying I love my realtor friends. <laughs> However, <laughs> I would never choose to take advice from them when it comes to buying a house. Um, I think it's important to really separate their desire to make a living from your desire to make a well-informed decision. So really it just comes down to the fact that they have an objective to make a commission. So they can't give you unbiased advice. I've dealt with this firsthand whenever we were looking to buy a house, I had to just kind of tune out the, the noise of my realtor telling me which neighborhoods to look at or where to expand my budget to. And I've, I know that I have several friends who have struggled through the same thing. That's why it's really important to have somebody that you trust that knows their stuff that you can kind of ask the hard questions to um, because your realtor is, is not the person you probably want to be seeking advice about buying a home from. Yeah. On that point, it is, you know, really important in all aspects of life right? That they can very well be thinking of it. They want what's best for you, but it's very hard for their, to be able to remove kind of, kind of their realtor hat. And, and we're not saying don't choose a friend to be your realtor. Um, yeah, if, if you're, if you're going through that, no, that can be great. We're saying, make sure that you, that decision has been made to purchase a house and the, the amount of house. Yeah. And then go support your realtor friend. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, that's a really good point. And, and for your, for your and Colin's case, um, you guys kind of jumped into your home and you, you really did it looking at your experience the right way, right? You researched, you did a ton of, ton of looking and stuff, but you were still pretty surprised by kind of that next step. You're, you're excited about your home, you're in the home and then real, real life happens, right? Yeah. So we bought a house that was about half of the value of what we had technically been pre-approved for. And that was done uh, very intentionally because a, I know that people get pre-approved for amounts for mortgage amounts that they can't afford all the time. Um, B, I wanted to make sure that there was a buffer in case life and unexpected things happened, which is exactly what happened. Uh, I know our first wake up call was, Day one in our house, I realized that um, we had forgotten to set up Southwest Gas to turn on our gas line. And it we moved in on, I think, a Thursday, and they take two full business days. So we had to wait until Monday for them to come out. 
they come out and mind you, we had a clean inspection where they tested all of our, uh, like they tested the gas line, they tested all the things throughout the house. They did a pressure test on it to make sure that everything was going to be good to go. That had been done probably a month prior and there were no concerns at all. But when Southwest gas showed up that following Monday, uh, we failed the pressure test and were told that there was a leak underground somewhere in the piping and it had to be, uh, we had to find it where it was or rerun the entire thing. Wow. <laughs> now, lucky for us, we have a plumber in the family that does it as a business. So we didn't pay as much as we would have if we had to hire a company that we had never worked with before, but we still paid a lot of money to run a new gas line. And it took like, I think close to 30 days to actually have hot water. And it was in November. So it was just miserable. But I mean, that was just the perfect example of life is unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. And thankfully we, you know, had set aside that extra money. We knew it was a mortgage that we could very easily afford. And so it wasn't like financial devastation. Whereas if, you know, we had bought a house that was at the top end of our budget and maybe we were kind of financially strapped, that would have been quite a bit scarier. So, um, yeah, I, I track all of my expenses each month. And that was another thing that made me feel more confident in buying our home is I really knew pretty much to the dollar, how much we spent each month and, and what those averages looked like. Yeah. But at the end of that year, I knew that would be a different year than the year we had had prior. Um, and so I decided it'd be fun to go through the last 12 months of expenses once we hit our one year mark. And I added them all up. And mind you, Colin and I are like, do it yourself, like hire, if you need to hire somebody, hire them like as a, a friend or a family member. Um, so really we cut our costs in a lot of ways. We bought all of our furniture on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace. Wow. Um, I mean, we did not spend very much, uh, when it's all said, well, we didn't spend the way probably a typical homeowner would spend in their first year. And when I tallied it all up, not including our mortgage property taxes or insurance, we had $8,000 of additional expenses. Wow. So I think that right there is the perfect example of why you shouldn't be buying a house at the top end of your range. Yeah. Um, Because $8,000 isn't a small amount of money. No, no, it's not. And, and if, if you, yeah, just, just the stress of not having hot water, all of of that whole experience. And, and although that, that is a pretty, you know, um, extreme experience, it's not rare I mean, I think pretty much any home buyer you talk to is going to talk about, you know, those unexpected things that came up, especially in the first year. Um, Most home, most people have home warranties. Uh, You had a home warranty, right? But it didn't cover it. Yeah. That's something good to know too about home warranties. You'll have to check the details of yours, but I had expected that ours would cover the gas line. And because it falls outside of the main walls of our house, mm-hmm. uh, they told us they would help with none of it. Wow. So yeah, home warranties don't always cover everything. Um, it's, it's good to have that extra money set aside for peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think overall in terms of, in terms of buying the house, you know, we just, we don't tell that story to scare anybody. It's more, you know, know what you're signing up for because so often there is, there isn't those warnings and there isn't the things to say, 
hold on, are, are we prepared for this uh, like we want to be to buy a house? Right. We just want to give you some additional information so that you can make a well-informed decision yeah. where you can't say two years down the road, oh my God, I never would have expected this could have happened. Or why didn't somebody tell me I should have figured this part out sooner? Yep. Just to add a perspective to the voices that you're probably hearing in your own inner circle. Yeah. And and I, I love that we purchased our house when we did. And I, I, I think, Nikki, I think you're the same. It's where we are happy homeowners. Yeah, I don't regret it. And I think uh, most people... Who, who you talk to are as well. Um, so definitely don't don't want to say that that never buy a house or anything like that. Uh, it, this is this was just to talk about our own experience and what we've seen as, as well as kind of a checkbox. We've heard people ask us, hey, what I, I know you guys talk about housing, but what should we have or what should we do before we buy a house? And and that's what we wanted to do today. You know, really explain not only what to do, but why we think it's such a good idea to do it. Definitely. Well, we hope that something that we spoke about today stands out to each of you and that even if you can't apply this right now, that you'll be able to think about this in the future uh, whenever the time is right for you to buy a home. Well, thank you for listening. Nikki, thank you for agreeing to talk through this with me and sharing your own personal experience. Definitely. And if any of you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can always contact us by emailing info at thirddecade.org. Cool. Talk to you all in a couple of weeks. 